0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Bible Quest. Um, so today uh, we've got our full panel back. Um, Scott Smelser is with us. How are you doing today, Scott?
1: I'm okay, but I can't start my video for some reason. Okay. Oh, that's okay. I'm better heard than seen, so I'll just go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, there it is. So uh, today, so you guys had a good discussion last week about marriage, and today Justin is going, Justin is going to be leading us in a discussion about not being married and singleness and i just want to remind everybody uh that in the book of proverbs it says he who finds a wife finds a good thing can i get an amen amen Amen. but as paul points out sometimes it is a better thing when a person does not uh and people are capable of serving the lord in mighty ways both in marriage and outside of marriage. So with those thoughts,
2: Justin, how about getting it started? Yeah, um, I appreciate it a lot. Look at uh, Matthew 19 as kind of a starting place. Um, some of these ideas were just born out of conversations that I'd had with, um, actually with Christians who had never been married as well as Christians who were newly married. And they were... Um, maybe complaining is not the right word, but they were talking about how challenging marriage is. Uh, and so you had people on both sides of this where they were saying, "Wow, marriage is not the answer to all my problems. I think we did talk about that last week, that marriage is really not about us anyway. Uh, but singleness uh, has some unique challenges. And I don't know what... Churches will often have, um, or, or, or Christians often put together uh, like marriage retreats for a sermon series on marriage and family and i don't know when's the last time you ever heard a sermon series on singleness in christ uh that's it's a different kind of thing um so jesus seems to make room for singleness in christ And of course we'll talk about some other single people in the bible here in a minute um in fact maybe we should maybe we could start there um can you guys think of any uh, notable single people in the bible um, jesus <laughs> no, no no we might cheat there and say he's betrothed uh but yeah jesus is certainly uh single he seems to firm singleness um so besides cheating and using jesus but uh can you give any other single people in the bible all the singles and he chose to be single we'll talk about paul in a minute um good
3: Honestly, when we start talking about the characters in the New Testament, um, so many of them—honestly, well, we don't know. But there's uh, there, there's there's such little detail that any number number of the apostles might have been single. We know Peter had a right. mother-in-law. Um, right,
1: usually come with why?
3: Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> I don't know many people really? who just elect mothers-in-law. Um yeah. and and. Even if all of the apostles were married, the fact that what we learn about their work, um, you know, what the story tells about them, um, really sets them into their work as as single people, or maybe they didn't get married for a long time, that says a lot about, um, uh, I think that that silence speaks loudly about the the nature of, of the work.
2: Yeah, and one of the things we want to do there is talk about not just, hey, being single is acceptable in Christ, but there's actual, there's a value uh, that you can bring to the kingdom by using your singleness for Christ. Um, so some others I had listed, Jeremiah who was actually commanded not to take a wife. Uh, and if anybody ever needed a wife, you'd think Jeremiah uh, needed a, a lifelong companion. Nehemiah, uh, we don't have a wife listed for Nehemiah. In fact, Nehemiah may actually have been a eunuch, um, uh, Anna, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, um, who's a widow and remained a widow. Daniel, uh, Naomi, goes on to be single. And so one, one of the things that we want to do is we talk about being single. We're not just talking about people who've never been married before. We're also talking about the divorced, and we're talking about the widowed. Um, for the four of us fellows, um, I guess it's a 50-50, maybe slightly less. Uh, chance of uh, the fact that that we're, we're all going to be single at one point. Um, I think women probably tend to outlive their husbands. That depends on, on circumstances, but uh, marriage is not the end all be all. And so how do I use my singleness whether I've never been married before, whether I've been married and divorced, or whether I'm a widow, widower? How do I use my singleness for Christ? And being single doesn't doesn't limit me it just changes my opportunities so let's let's get into the text here and look at matthew 19 um does one of you want to read verses 1 through 12 to get us started
1: i'll do that
3: matthew 19 starting in verse 1 now when jesus had finished these sayings he went away from galilee and entered the region of judea beyond the jordan and large crowds followed him and he healed them there They said unto him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce to send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man and his wife, it is better not to marry. He said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. There are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it.
2: So there is certainly a lot in verses 1 through 9 that we could spend a lot of time unpacking. Uh, The question that's put to Jesus is about marriage and divorce. I don't think they're looking for an honest answer. They're looking to trap Jesus. Uh, This was a a, a tense conversation. And Jesus dismantles the whole conversation by going back to the beginning and talking about God's design. And in the beginning, as Scott mentioned before, uh, it's good for man to have a wife. Um, In Genesis 2, God noted that it was not good that man should be alone. Uh, That should factor into the idea of me being single, is how can I... Uh, combat loneliness or isolation but but to get to today's conversation in 10 through 12 jesus starts talking about yes not everybody can receive this idea of marriage uh, he's not saying by the way well then just go ahead and make up your own rules about marriage and divorce not everybody can receive this saying go ahead and go do what you want he's saying that marriage is not for everybody um if, if marriage seems hard it's because it is marriage is not easy and as i mentioned before in conversation with some couples they've come and said I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, And I would probably say that every one of us would say the same thing that I didn't really, I knew, but I didn't really know what I was getting into. But he lists three different kinds of eunuchs. um, The first of which he said uh, in verse 12, there are eunuchs who've been so from birth. It looks like Jesus uh, understood there'd be some people who just because of their their physical uh, nature would be prevented from, from marriage. Uh, prevented from their ability to engage uh, in marriage. And then there's a second group. Some who've been made eunuchs by men. Uh, that would certainly include people like Daniel and Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Uh, it's just one of the things that you would do in taking the people captive, these foreign nations who come in uh, and, and take people and take some of the men for that reason. And then there's this third group, um, some who've chosen to make themselves eunuchs. For the sake of the kingdom of heaven, um, what do you think that group might include?
0: Sounds a whole lot like Paul and how he discusses it. I think we're going to eventually get to First Corinthians seven, but um, that's that—that's Paul's life. He chose to remain single so that he could devote one hundred percent of his attention to sharing the gospel, spreading the kingdom, and that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely,
3: Dan. I also think it's a reaction to what the disciples say in verse ten, to the extreme. Um, I should, I don't want to say the extreme rules of marriage, but but God gave some pretty he gave rules of marriage, and to to uh, to us people often they feel extreme. And um, you could look at the rules that God gave you and think about what you've done in your life, and you might realize, well, I'm not allowed to get married again. Or otherwise, I will violate uh, what what Jesus has said, and so there I would be making myself a eunuch for the sake of not necessarily working like Paul for the kingdom of heaven, but abiding in the laws of the kingdom of heaven.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone who comes to know Jesus realizes that Jesus has placed these boundaries, uh, recognizes these boundaries from creation, and saying I'm going to be faithful to Jesus then that restricts me from from being married. Scott? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. uh, And what the apostles mean in verse 10, maybe, I can't guarantee this is the thought, but it may be this. Jesus has just said, whoever, describing anybody in this situation, whoever puts away his wife except for fornication and marries another commits adultery. And the disciple said, yeah, the case of the man is so with the wife. If he put away his wife, except for fornication, so that now if he marries, he'd be committing adultery. If the case of the man is so with the wife, it's it's not good to marry. And Jesus, not everybody's going to receive that. But for the kingdom's sake, uh, there, there's going to be people that will. Yeah. I have a dear friend who I respect Just greatly and um, they asked me when they first started attending where I was preaching they said I need to know what you teach about marriage and divorce and remarriage because I do not need to go somewhere where somebody's in the pulpit tempting me to sin because they realized from some things early in their life that they had ended up in a situation without the right to marry and I live a wonderful life uh and so good to so many people and have accomplished so much and so positive and so wonderful but you know i, I really respect what was said there and i respect the life that my friend leads
2: mm-hmm. yeah and, and th- that may sound really hard to say if I, you're saying that jesus doesn't want me to be happy uh well, you're you're saying that there's not a fulfilling, satisfying life of service available to you unless you get this one thing in your life. And actually, the the this joy print, that you have in Christ.
1: Yeah, this friend of mine is a happy person, uh, right. a happy, positive, real
2: difference-making person. One of the strongest people I know. Yeah, and again, marriage is not the source of joy. We're going to see that whether you're married or single. Yeah. <laughs>
3: And, and this example is, is silly, so, so bear with me here, but I think one of the issues it, that's at this is the law says I cannot marry, or, the, or, or there's some sort of law that we have from God, but I am able to get the paperwork and get the person, and I can do it anyways. I can get myself married. Um, the law of gravity says that I'm not allowed to float off into the space and, and fly around in the clouds. And I'm physically unable to break that law. So sometimes we get it in our heads that just because we can physically do something that we have this this right and this power. And in a lot of ways, what Jesus is saying, that statement, uh, the one who's able to receive it can receive it. It it speaks to the humility of the heart, the submission to to accept laws, um, accept uh, boundaries, and accept the world as God made it.
2: There is one more uh, group, I think, or more type of person who might meet this category. There are probably others that I'm not thinking of, but um, more and more I've run into um, people who who wrestle with a kind of sexual attraction that they realize the Bible teaches against. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, what what do you do if you're trying to follow Christ and you experience this kind of attraction? And marriage is just not available to you as God designed it. Um, well, I think we need to be sensitive to our brothers and sisters who experience that kind of attraction uh, and, and bear with them in, in their weakness and help them so that they're not tempted to sin. And I also realize that, that they are choosing to honor Christ and to serve the kingdom above their own desires, especially in a culture who says, what do you mean? You don't have to be celibate." Uh, you don't have to not enjoy all the things that are available to you. Um, because when the Bible talks about being single, it doesn't just mean being single. It also means being single and celibate. Mm. Um, and, and our culture doesn't really put those two things together. Right. So what we're talking about is unheard of in this culture. Uh, it, it is 1950s style, traditional traditional conservative views. And we're saying actually, this is pretty radical stuff. uh, And it's beyond just 1950s uh, traditional conservative views. Uh, Let me throw out a few statistics here I thought were interesting about being single. Um, In 1890, anybody wanna guess the average age for men and women getting married in America? 21
1: to 25.
2: 20 for men and 17 for women. Interesting. Jonathan, do you want to jump out there, blind guess?
0: Uh, Well, I already read your statistics.
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I was surprised. You had your chance. Uh, I I was really surprised by this. Um, Apparently in 1890, the average age for men to marry was 26. And the average age for women to marry was 22. And it seems like part of the reason for that was that in 1890, you had a lot of people who were trying to establish their lives in America. And so it took them longer to choose a mate and establish their lives. Um, However, in 1950, the average age for men is 22, average age for women is 20. But today, the average age for men who marry is 30, and the average age for women is 28. And maybe it kind of mirrors what we saw in 1890 where people are waiting until they've gotten through college and they've established their careers. Um, and then if they choose to get married, which many people are choosing not to get married today, uh, then they're, they're waiting longer. In fact, uh, the Pew Research Center estimates that by the time today's 20 year olds reach the age of 50, one fourth of them will have been single their whole lives, um, which is, uh just very very surprising to me so think about what the world is going to look like what what our nation will look like think about what the church that you're part of will look like uh in 30 years and what the makeup of that church might look like um we we want to help single people uh there's a value in marriage and in fact there are certain certain things that can't function in a congregation without marriage thinking about having elders elders wives and so forth um, but, but there are going to be a lot of single people in the kingdom, and, and what is their value? What is their worth? Um, when you think about being single, um, we talk about singleness in terms of what it lacks. Uh, singleness is uh, you're unmarried. And if you ever meet someone for the first time, I don't know, you have some basic questions you ask people when you meet someone for the first time. Um, you know, what do you do? You know, what's your occupation? and then also tell me about your family. And if you ask that question to a single person, what's their response going to be?
1: Not married. Mention their parents and their brothers and sisters.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they're going to suddenly feel like they don't have much to offer in this conversation because, well, I don't have a family, I don't have children, I don't have a wife or a husband. And there's this silence that can come into the conversation. in, instead, what we want to be seeing is that there's a lot of value that some people have and something they have to offer in the kingdom. Um, Scott?
1: Yeah, when you think about, and uh, I, you know, I imagine in a few minutes we'll be reading in First Corinthians chapter 7. But when you think about the New Testament, who are the two people who are most totally given in their life to serving God? Like, that's all-consuming. Who are the two people that come to mind? Jesus and Paul. Yeah. Uh, And Jesus nor Paul had time for a wife and a kids, really. And and they were going to be going through things that would have been horrible for their wife and kids if they would have had them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so while there are, there are some advantages obviously to being married and some evangelistic opportunities I think in being married. I think all of us find it helps us when we have a study with a young lady or a woman or an older woman or something we you know involve our wife in that study that's very helpful. Uh, I think our kids, you know when people see our kids that uh, I think that gives credibility to our message but, there's just a lot more that can, can be accomplished by somebody like a Paul or a Jesus. John. Yeah,
0: and along the lines of what Justin was bringing up, this, this idea of like, you know, someone asks you, well, what's your family like? And the if you're not married, there's this kind of instant feeling of like aloneness or like, you know, I don't have that kind of thing. That's something, and, and uh, you know, that's not how God intended the church to work for single people to feel that way um it it doesn't actually reference singleness but in mark chapter 10 and this is repeated in other places as well um when jesus has the encounter with uh, the rich young ruler what we sometimes call him um and he tells him that he needs to you know leave stuff uh leave his stuff and follow jesus um Peter notices, well, we have done that. We've left all of our stuff. We've left our families. We've left our possessions. We followed you. And Jesus says, you know, you're blessed for doing that. You're actually going to receive much more in the family department by following me in this life and also the life, life to come. And so being brought into God's, you know, church, into Christ's church is being brought into his family. Yes. Um, and so there's, a I think, a big responsibility for all of the members of that family to make people feel like they're a part of the family, um, make single people who might especially struggle with that feeling. Although I suppose, you know, married people can feel that feeling in, in some ways as well of kind of separateness and, and being cut off. Um, but, you know, we're all part of the same family together. And so, you know, it would be great if you asked a single Christian, you know, tell me about your family and their mindset is not, oh, I don't have that, but, oh yeah, it's, my brothers and sisters at church. <laughs> um, you know, let me tell you about them kind of thing.
1: Listen to Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. While he was yet speaking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and his brothers stood without seeking to speak to him. One said, behold, your mother and your brothers stand without seeking to speak to you. But he answered and said unto him that told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brothers whoever shall do the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister
0: and mother. Yeah, and, and what that makes me think, just as a responsibility, so now I'm, I'm a married person. Um, and I think it can be challenging for people, and this is just a challenge for, for married people in the church. Um, we can unintentionally sometimes make single people feel like they're really missing something Um, and that they need to get married. Otherwise, like their life's not totally fulfilled. And so like this kind of, um, you know, matchmaking, um, or, or constantly kind of poking at singleness and things like that, maybe that's appropriate in some situations to help people that that are really interested in getting married, um, and trying to help them find a, a mate that would be best suited for them to serve the Lord. But I don't know just in regular conversation there's not a whole lot of conversation that says like oh you're single great you know that would be really good for you to say that way at least i haven't heard very much of that um and i think it should be a responsibility of married people to help their brothers and sisters part of their family um in the in the family of christ to be able to feel valued and and like they have a purpose and they have a place um where what they are right now you know if they get married in the future great you know we can help each other to grow and and advance the kingdom but right now they're not married and so make them feel valued it reminds me of the other analogy um god's family or god's church is described as a family it's also described as a body and paul talks about how the body works together in first corinthians 12 um there are two problems with that can happen with a body working together either um you can feel like you don't belong in the body, and that's a problem, or people that are a part of the body can make you feel like you don't belong, and like, we don't really need you kind of thing. So it can go either way. Um, and I see the married you know, kind of people as maybe being in the category of like, we don't really need your single kind of service. I don't know anybody that would personally say that, but in conversation, we can make a single person feel like that. So we need to be careful um, about how we kind of talk about those subjects.
2: That's good. Uh, I, I want to go to First Corinthians 7 to kind of talk about some of that and while we're turning there. Um, I'll, I'll just say that one of the ways that as married people, we can, we can fail to do what you're talking about. We're, we're helping single people to see their value in the kingdom is uh, we do the matchmaking that we're talking about or we, th- we think there must be something wrong with that person because they're not married. Um, or we also put marriage itself on a pedestal and we think that marriage is sort of the romantic happily ever after. And what, you know, if you've seen Snow White, you know, the original Snow White, Walt Disney, like the movie ends when he like, wakes up Snow White and they run off and get married. Uh, and that's just like, that's the way every good story is supposed to end is they're supposed to get married. And if you think of marriage that way, at least my human marriage that way, then these people don't get their happily ever after. But as Christians, we know that actually my marriage is not the marriage. And if if marriage is going to show us what the gospel looks like, you talked about uh, family, you know, showing us Christian relationships or the body. Another picture is marriage, and marriage is not my marriage; is my marriage with Christ. Singleness then shows the sufficiency of the gospel because I have somebody, um, and Jesus is not sort of your replacement boyfriend or girlfriend in case you are single. Like, he's, he is my bridegroom. He's, he's not just the bridegroom for the girl who's not married. He's, he's my bridegroom. And, and therefore, all my hope for happily ever after is not on my wife, it's on, it's on my Lord. Uh, in First Corinthians 7, uh, Paul, in verses 1 through 9, uh, says, concerning the matters about which he wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a of time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all, whereas I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So he's just laid down these principles for married people, and they're going through some uh, some transition and they're thinking about what does this mean then? I'm married. How, what, what does this do with sexual relationship? There are all sorts of reasons you can think about why they, as uh, maybe Gentile people, are struggling with these, these ideas. Uh, and Paul says, I, I just wish all of you could see the value of living the life that i live well, well why is that um as he goes on in 32 through 35 he's going to point out that they could be free from anxieties because the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the lord how to please the lord but the married man verse 33 is anxious about worldly things how to please his wife his interests are divided and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the lord how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Um, quick example of this. Have any of you guys been flying like with uh, little children before?
0: Just recently.
2: It's like the most stressful thing in the world. Um, when, when we, It's not so much anymore. Uh, Jubilee is my youngest she's six now so it's not as big a deal but I remember like when Lindsay's pregnant and she's got a little one and the two other little ones and you've got uh, the strollers and then the car seats and then the diaper bag and they get to go through like families so like they just go beep, 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 right on through the metal detectors and I'm back here and I've got all the luggage and I'm trying to get it through and get it scanned and I have to go through the thing and like I, I have like eight packages to send through this scanner. I feel like I'm holding everybody in the world up and they're opening things up. What is this bag? What is this bag? And it's just the most stressful situation in the world. And if you do that, and then you ever fly by yourself, wow, <laughs> you, just, you just go, you take off your shoes, put them on the belt, there, there you go. And it's just like, this is so easy. Uh, being a single person, is kind of like that. At times, uh, where you, you don't have to think about leaving ten minutes early. You don't have to think about carrying extra diapers with you. You don't have to think about when my children get hungry. What am I going to do along? The, like you don't have to think about all that that stuff. Uh, if you want to decide to watch a movie tonight, watch a movie tonight. You don't have to ask the person next to you what what movie do you want to watch. You know where do you want to eat. So there are certain things that you don't have to. You don't have to think about pleasing anybody else on a day-to-day basis. And that can be a relief, and that can also be a hardship because you want to be thinking about that. There's a sense of loneliness there. Um, On a very basic kind of worldly thinking level, that's part of what Paul's talking about here is you just don't have to think about that kind of thing. Uh, That means you're more free to be thinking about other things. Scott?
1: And coming back to Paul, you know he can go to town knowing he may be thrown in jail. Stoned, you know, thrown in jail again, spend a couple of years in prison. And each time he's not having to worry about his mm-hmm. children or his wife. But and he mentions in First Corinthians 7, he that is married is divided. Now you got to be divided with the right thing on top. You know, it's like the Lord is first, but then I also need to be thinking about my wife and my kids. But the person who doesn't have that responsibility can, like Paul did, just be focused on this and not hindered by about oh, we'll my wife and children. I remember when I was uh, still single, and by, the, by the way, we're talking here about single and Justin referred to this, but I want to underscore it in a biblical sense. On social media, single means you're not dating anybody. Right. In the Bible, what we're talking about is you're not married. Uh, And if you're not married, you need to be celibate. Hebrews chapter 13, verse um, 4. Let marriage be had in honor among all. Uh, For adulterers and fornicators, God will judge. Those having sex outside of marriage, those having sex in violation of a marriage covenant, God will judge. Uh, But there is that... Focus that Paul could just put on where he didn't have to be concerned about responsibility for for the family. Uh, I have another thought in a minute, but go ahead with what you were saying, Justin, please.
2: Well, I, I want to talk about the the positive side of that because I'm I'm emphasizing here in this airport illustration, and there are a number of other illustrations each of us could probably put out there. Just the stress of being aware, and I really appreciate you saying that is serving the Lord. By the way you know, for a husband, for a father, for a mother, wife, to be taking care of their family. That's what God wants us to do. That's what Jesus said to do. So it's not that you're not serving the Lord by serving the family. If you're doing it for the Lord, you're doing it for the Lord. But a single person then has an opportunity to serve in ways that maybe a married person doesn't. And just by quick example, when my family and I, we lived in Boston for six years. When we first moved, we had one child and one on the way. And I finally, after about a year, um, took me a long time to get to this point, but I I realized I need to take a day off each week. My family needs me more than I'm I'm giving them time. And then there was a a brother, some of you know, Dan Kane. He moved to Boston and he's single. He's married now, he's got two kids. Um, But at the time he was single and he was just doing stuff all over the place that I couldn't do. You know, somebody wanted to study the Bible at 10.30 at night, he's there. You know, somebody wanted to be there six in the morning, he's there. And he just had all kinds of opportunities with other people in places I couldn't be. And at first I thought, well, that's just not, I want to be Dan Kane. <laughs> I want to go and do what Dan Cain's doing. But thank God for Dan Cains and for single people. Um, there was a young lady who moved to Philadelphia to help with the church here. Uh, just just seeing opportunities to serve because married people can serve in ways that maybe single people can't. Like you said, Scott, you know, there's more confidence talking to maybe a husband and wife about marriage uh, or about raising children if you have children. Maybe a single person, they can offer the same godly wisdom, but they don't have the same experience. But a single person has opportunities. So what we want to do is encourage single people to see those opportunities and to take advantage of them, not just say, well, hey, I don't have anything to worry about. I can do whatever I want to do. No, no, no. You you have responsibilities because you have more time because you have more of this gift. You know, singleness is a gift. Then you have a responsibility to use it well for the Lord. Mm -hmm. What are you going to say, Dan? Well,
3: using the opportunities is is one of the things that's been on my mind in this discussion in Hebrews chapter two, verse uh, three, which just summarizes so much of the whole, the, the drive of the book of Hebrews, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, and the letter goes on to say how great the salvation is, and kind of um, gets on to the case of these Hebrew Christians that were being, they were neglecting that, they were sliding backwards and trying to go to old ways, or not letting their light shine as brightly as they ought to, that phrase, how shall we escape if we neglect, um, as, as, a, as a husband and a father, I have a wonderful opportunity to have a wife near me that I can help out. Uh, I can help that person go to God and I can get help from her in my own walk to God. And with children, I mean, you don't, you're never going to have as wonderful of an opportunity to help bring somebody to God. And if I'm lazy, if I neglect that, then shame on me. Uh, if I am single uh, I don't have those people uh, in, in the house well, like the married person does, but there are other opportunities that if I uh, neglect those, uh, th- then shame on me. And so uh, realizing that there are some who, uh, oh, wow, they, they, they can't go to every single study uh, because they have family commitments or they have certain uh, money commitments. They need to make a certain amount of money just to be able to, to take care of uh, the number of uh, people in a family. Well, well, that means I'm free. I can go every single night to a different Bible study every night of the week if, if I want to. I don't know if a person has to, but if we if the person who has that freedom neglects that um, opportunity and neglects that freedom, then then that is a shameful waste of the liberty and the freedom that is uh, given to the single person.
2: I'd
1: like to share a couple of practical things. One on the mistake of dismissing biblical instruction about family when it comes from a single person. Uh, And the other is coming back to the idea of matchmaking, which can be done appropriately and can be done offensively. Uh, So I just wanted to share a couple of practical things. First one is if you are looking at the word of God and looking at Proverbs and you've got common sense and you were raised in a good family, you may well understand more about raising kids, even though you're single, than a lot of people that are raising kids, or you may understand more about marriage than a lot of people that have gotten married what parents tend to do when a single person talks about what the Bible says is, Oh, well, you don't have kids. You don't understand. You don't understand. And that often comes from people that are not doing a very good job. Of it. Um, and it, I, I, I've, I've done parenting series in most every state east of the Mississippi. I'll be doing some again later this month, but the first time I was ever asked to talk about it, I was 21 and single. And I use the book of Proverbs. You know, it's it still says what it says. Uh, and on matchmaking, I wanted to mention this. Um, well, I'll go ahead and get Jonathan and then I'll come back to this thing about matchmaking in there. Go ahead Jonathan.
0: yeah, another kind of practical thing about that is if if parents with kids have the attitude that they don't like somebody that's single can't understand what it's like to raise kids, or somebody that's single doesn't understand what marriage is like a majority of the biblical teaching on marriage and raising children was said and written by single people, Jesus and Paul. Um, and so, you know, it's like, if you want to reject people that aren't married and get an advice, then you're cutting out all of your biblical advice too,
1: most of it. On matchmaking, uh, it can be helpful. Um, and, and I want to recommend two ways it can be helpful uh, years and years ago, like back in the nineties, I think it was my wife started a thing where we had a, uh, spring get together for young single people at the request of my daughter. We didn't call it singles, but it was singles. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. And the fact is people who are interested in meeting other Christians tend to come. I think the first year we had maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 people or so kind but, uh, uh, later, we would have when we'd be doing a cookout. We'd have sometimes a hundred people there, and uh, with two of the people up here at Harrisburg, two of the couples up here at Harrisburg connected at, at that single set. So it was, it wasn't putting pressure on people, but it gave people that wanted to meet other people opportunities. Sometimes when you're specifically trying to do something, what I found appropriate and respectful is ask permission, like you know, would you mind or would you uh, prefer that I do or not recommend you to this person over there? And if they say, no, thank you, then, then respect that. But if they say, I wouldn't mind that, then go ahead and make that recommendation. And sometimes it ends up in a marriage and sometimes it doesn't. But respect, don't assume that you know what is best for this person. Uh, And and it's a little bit like this, Uh, do do churches need good
2: elders? Yes.
1: Do churches need elders that are not qualified to be elders?
2: No, absolutely
1: not. Yeah, yeah, and so those churches are better off without elders than than with. Um, And not everybody needs to be married and not everybody needs to be married to the person that you think they need to be married to. Uh, so respect people's decision. And if, if you want to offer some assistance, sometimes do it respectfully and kind of ask permission and, and, and get an AOK okay instead of presuming that you know that they want to get married or that they would be interested in this person or something like that. That's just there,
2: there's just advice. You no, know, I think there's there's a much celebrated case in the Bible of matchmaking in the book of Ruth, and that seemed to turn out all right. Um, you know, so well, uh, yeah, ma- matchmaking is not wrong. Um, what we want to warn against, though, I think what, what the Bible would say is just foolish thinking, is that well, there's a single person here They can't be happy until we find them somebody support them in their singleness in christ the same way you would want them to support you in your marriage Uh, like like you said they may have some insight into your marriage and your family invite the single christian into your life bring them into your family into your home and get close to them they need you you need them and they can help you see things in your family that maybe you didn't see before and you can help them see things in their walk with christ that they didn't see before um, one of the one of the challenges I think though, that single people are going to have is isolation. I think John mentioned that before. Um, and already Mark ten, um, I think was it Matthew ten, Scott, the passage you mentioned earlier. Um, Behold, my mother's Matthew twelve. Um, we have family in Christ, but maybe one of the things that single people will have a Greater opportunity with, they're not going to have the depth of relationships uh, that I'll have with my wife, uh, that my other children hopefully, but they've got an opportunity for a breadth of relationships. Um, these relationships I'm close to, they demand a lot of my time, a lot of my attention, and so we've built up a lot. But that means that there are a lot of people out there who need help that I just mm-hmm. don't have time to get to. Whereas a single person has an opportunity to touch a lot of lives in a lot of different ways, and maybe not in that same depth, but while wow, but the breadth of their relational reach is, is so much greater. And, and you see Jesus doing that in the New Testament. And you see him going from place to place to place to place, and he doesn't have somebody tying him down geographically, but he's just touching life after life after life, and look at the, the richness and the wealth that spread because of that. So if we can learn to see our lives as a gift, First Corinthians 7, 17 through 24, Paul's talking about lead the life that you're assigned. See your singleness or your marriage as an assignment from God, and then use it to serve him, that you'll be doing well. Scott?
1: Yeah, and just to clarify uh, when, when Justin's talking there about death, he's not talking about impact, but like family commitment uh, when you're, when you're not married to somebody, you don't have a relationship that is the same as till death do you part, you are bound to this person, you're sleeping in the same bed, you're, you're together the rest of your life for better, or worse, et cetera, et cetera. There's a, there's a intimacy, a bound responsibility there, but the impact that that single person can have, look at the impact that Paul had on the Philippians. Look at the impact that Paul had on, on all these, uh, quote and Priscilla and all these other people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a strong impact, but it's, it's not the same personal 24-7 type of duty uh, mm-hmm. to have inside the family. Mm-hmm.
3: And, and that just made me think of the, the personal impact that Paul had. Uh, we learn about Timothy who had a family. He had a mother and he had a grandmother. And it talked about a Greek father and that's, that's all that we learn about it uh, was, was his ethnic background. We don't know if he was around. We don't know if he was good. We don't know if he was bad. Uh, but then we find out that Paul, you know, Paul treats him like his own son. Paul uh, pulls him into his work. Paul brings him under his wing, shows him what to do, tells him what to do and gives him big jobs and then c- continues to help out Timothy and um, their friendship or their f- You know their father-son relationship, their their relationship as brothers in Christ, is a really exciting relationship. That, for all we know, was between two men who were single and busy with their work with the Lord, but had a a powerful and uh, important relationship together.
1: And I think we're out of time, but let's give a reminder that Justin reminded us at the beginning: Uh, singleness is something we're all headed to. If you're married. You're either headed to or your spouse is headed to it mm-hmm. unless you die simultaneously in an accident or something all of, of our, our lives life, were our spouse is going to end up being single or we're going to end up being single
2: let me let me share just kind of quickly on that uh, one last little story there, there was a uh, a couple he was an elder in the church and just, they did so much good. Uh, they're just loved by so many people. They served in a college town, Midwest uh, Midwest United States. Um, he dropped dead of a brain aneurysm, just mm-hmm. just out of the blue. Um, and I got a chance to visit with her a couple of years later. And she said, uh, she, she loved her husband. She just ab- she, absolutely, she was in love with her husband. Uh, he adored her, he showered, uh love and kindness on her they just you could just tell they were in love with each other but she said a couple years after he died she said that his death was one of the greatest gifts that god had given her because it helped her to see um how much she needed to learn to love jesus rather than be tied to this human relationship Um, you know jesus talked about the fact that we're not going to be married in heaven Um, And so she had been tempted to put more value on her earthly relationship with her husband than on Christ. And I was shocked when she said that. Um, But it made me and Lindsay, my wife, both stop and look at our marriage and said, are are we doing the same thing? Um, Am I making an idol out of my marriage, out of my spouse? Um, We've got an opportunity to serve people and to serve God and our focus, whether we're single or married, needs to be on Christ.
0: And so with singleness, just like with marriage, there are challenges, um, but there are also great blessings. Um, And so whatever position you are in life, you know, thank God and use those blessings for his glory and to advance the kingdom and and use your advantages for that. And also, you know, uh, help others in different categories or in the same categories yourself, overcome the challenges. Um, We're all part of the same family. um, That's the thing that, that will be eternal. Okay. Um, Well, uh, we'll just remind everyone really quickly um, about how, if you have any other questions or anything you'd like us to discuss um, on our show, you can visit our website at BibleQuest.tv, go to the Tuesday talk show, um, and you can enter your name, email, and your question there. Uh, We'll be happy to get to those as well, or you can revisit any of our recordings on the podcast and recording tab as well, both the Wednesday show and the Tuesday show has the recordings on that website there um we did get one question in uh i don't know if you guys want to talk about that right now i don't know if we can and they it just really quickly um or we could start with that question next week from uh Janie. i'll just throw that out for you guys before we wrap up um if if any of you want to try to answer that quickly or for uh Janie, we could talk about that next week so when you guys want what- to well
2: sure uh go ahead dan
3: I just, it, the oversimplified answer is the, 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 the single statement that Jesus gives, we're going to be like the angels in heaven. I don't know exactly what that means, but there is something about um, who and what we are when we are um, in the presence of God and, and, and with him that's going to change the way that we have our relationships here. Um, that, that's a very short answer. I don't know what that means, why that is, but Jesus is letting us know that things will be different in, uh, when we are there.
2: Yeah. So thanks for that. Maybe, Go ahead. Maybe attack onto that. Uh, well, she said that answers it for her, so we will just stop there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Thank you for that question, Jenny, and to anyone else. If you have any other Thank questions you. about what we were talking about or any other topic, you could submit those in the way that we just talked about. So um, that's
2: all that we have for this week. So we plan on seeing everyone next week. we